Oh, yeah. Come on, somebody. Come on. Man, we're excited. We're excited for what God is doing in this place, through this house. Thank you if you're a guest with us this morning. This is something we've been praying for for the last 18 months to be able to buy property or a piece of land for our church. And um, we're really excited because over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like for us moving forward. What is a timetable for a building? How can you help participate to make that happen? So we just know that God is up to some big things here in San Antonio, Texas. We also want to let you know this piece of property is right on UTSA Boulevard, which we are a church passionate about the next generation and college students. So this helps us not just engage our community, but continue to engage college students in this city. So we are super excited for all that God is doing through this church and through you. Man, um, I just, I want to pray. I want to just give a prayer of thanks this morning, just uh, of celebrating what God is doing. So if you would join me as we pray this morning. Father, we just love you. God, we thank you. God, we celebrate what you're doing. We celebrate what you're doing, God, that we know the church is not just about building and lands. It's about people. It's about the people of God coming together and assembling together for the glory of God. And, Lord, I thank you that you have reserved a piece of property so that the church can be assembled there to give you glory and that many people would be reached in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that the lost would be found right now in the name of Jesus. Those who are far from God would be drawn to to your presence, even by that location. And so, Lord, we are believing for that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in this place this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Permeate us. Come, just saturate us with your very presence. Lord, we want more of you. Lord, our prayer right now is John the Baptist prayer, that we would decrease and that you would increase inside of us, that flesh would decrease right now, that that which is in our natural ability would, would decrease in order to, for you to increase so that the natural can be done in a such a way that glorifies you, so that which you've deposited in us would be worship unto you. Let every act that we do this morning through this church be an act of worship to you. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, man, we are excited for that. Uh, this morning is a unique morning for us. We're going to have a duo preaching moment uh, this morning, which I'm really excited about as we continue our series 75 Hard. And if you're new to this series, let me tell you what we've been doing all summer. We've, we've devoted ourselves for 75 days to practice different disciplines that God has set in his word for our lives so that we could be more like him, so that we could renew our mind, renew our thinking, renew those fleshly desires. How many of you love fleshly desires? Yes, I do. I do. But how many of you know there is a greater way, a better way for you? Those who are in Christ, been resurrected, who love him. God is forming you to his likeness. And this journey, when you said yes and you responded to God's call in your life, it started a journey for you of resurrection. It started a journey for you to become more like him in every way. And then you followed in a step of obedience with water baptism. And out of that, you've been and just surrender your life over and over and over and over. You tired of surrendering yet? Okay, that's good, man. We got we in the right place. It's a great church. 
So for 75 days, we've introduced a different hard thing for us, a different spiritual practice that has not to do with our, our right standing with God, but our right thinking towards him, our right thinking, our right becoming, our right abiding in him and through him. Hebrews 5, 13 through 14 says this, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The writer of Hebrews was encouraging the church that we would start these practices and that as you practice, as you move, as you formulate your life around him and surround yourself with him, what do you do? You become more mature. And it's our hope at Luminous Church to reach those who, are, who don't know Jesus, to reach those who are immature still and don't know what it's like to live for him, and those who are mature to become even more mature for the glory of God. We're reaching three different people groups within our church, and, and this summer is all about us forming and becoming more mature so that we can find ourselves eating meat versus drinking milk and then we look at the scripture and it says that you would discern eating meat is has a discernment by the holy spirit between good and evil i want to let you know right now it is not very easy to discern what it is between good and evil how many know that's been confusing lately it's been confusing what is good we call that which is evil good and that which is evil that which is good evil over and over and over again. But I want to remind you church, Matthew 5:14, which is our discipline today, which is the discipline of evangelism that says you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You are a light of the world. You are a witness. Everybody say witness. You are a witness. Our goal and our discipline this week that we're practicing is a discipline of evangelism, of telling people, those who are far from God, who God is. And evangelism takes place by the way of our spirit of hospitality oftentimes. It takes place through declaring or proclaiming, which we will see here in a moment, but also the way that we love one another. Jesus says they will know you by the way that you love one another. They will know me by the way that you love one another. It's our greatest apologetic, the way that you welcomed people, the way that you brought the spirit of God upon you in this place, the way that you loved everyone, that if we get anything, we, we, don't, <clears throat> we may not have the best preaching, uh, we may not have the best everything, but we do love people well. How many know that's true? We welcome people. We are relational. We care about the people of God. And I'm going to bring up my friend here in just a moment who's going to talk about how we pay attention to the care of the people that you invite into this house every week. We care so much about people that we want to create a moment or an environment that helps shape God's heart for his children. So I invited my friend from Mid-Cities, his family's here, Jody Byer, his wife Jennifer, his children, Braden and Garrett. Awesome, awesome. So y'all give it up for Jody as he comes up and talks to us about what it is to be a witness in this house. Thank you, Pastor Ben. I appreciate that. 
Um, and I, I thank you all for giving me a moment here today. And, and you may not know this, but I've known Pastor Ben for quite a while now. I've known Ben for about 17 years. And after 17 years, uh, I can honestly say that Brandy hasn't aged today. So, but seriously, I, I really do appreciate you, Ben. Thank you for letting me come here. I know the weight that comes with standing right here. And so I don't take that lightly. I'm not here just to tell you a bunch of jokes. I'm, I'm here to put what God has put on my heart. And so I think it's important that you get to know me a little better. So I want to introduce you, first of all, to my family, because they're a big part of who I am. And we've got some pictures, and we can go ahead and put those up. There we go. And so Ben introduced my wife already, but this is my wife, Jennifer, of 19 years. And I can honestly say, yeah, she's good looking. I can honestly say that uh, aside from following Jesus, this is the best decision I ever made in my life. Hands down, bar none. But we have also, we have had children. We have fulfilled the kingdom mandate to go forth and multiply. So here we have all three of my children. On the right, that's my oldest, Brayden. She is 17 years old and a high school senior this year. Can't believe it. In the middle, that's my son, Garrett. He is 15, and he is starting his high school career as a freshman. And then on the left, that's my sweet Lily. She's 12 years old and in the sixth grade. And that's, that's my family. That's my reason for living some days. But I want to tell you a little bit more about me, just so you know kind of how God brought me to where I am today. You know, I started my career a long time ago as a firefighter and an EMT. And that was something that I loved doing it. I love protecting people. I love caring for people. But I got kind of wooed away by the money that comes with business, and I ended up in banking for about 13 years. And I really enjoyed banking. One of the interesting things about it is even in banking, God kind of had that whole, that whole feel of protection, that whole theme of safety over my life. I ended up overseeing security and doing fraud investigations and all sorts of things like that. And then after banking, he took me into the nonprofit sector. So I spent about five years as a CFO for a faith-based pregnancy resource center. So I handled the finances, I handled HR, I handled all that. And of course, once again, I handled safety and security. And as you can, as you can probably figure out, our clientele at the pregnancy center was a lot different than the clientele at the bank, and so I learned a lot of different things about security over that time. Then in 2017, God called me out of the private sector, and he called me into full-time ministry. And I remember coming on, I came on as a children's pastor, and so I had all these little ones. And so the idea of safety really became real because I wanted to protect what was precious. And I love my church. And at that moment, we were in an interesting time of transition. We had just launched two new campuses. We had sent out a lot of our strong people. And so there were some gaps. There were some holes. There were some vacuums that needed to be filled. And one of those was in safety and security. So I took it upon myself to work with those kids and make sure that everything we had in place was to make sure that those kids were safe, that they were protected, that if anything ever happened, we could do everything we could to make sure that our precious little ones would be okay. Well, the church leadership noticed this, and so they asked me to set up a safety uh, program for the entire church. That's pretty daunting, and it was kind of interesting because being a children's pastor and dealing with kids and boogers and boo-boos and little things like that, and going from that to calling these men and saying, hey, I need you to serve the Lord in this capacity, and they say, who the heck are you and why are you calling me? I don't have any kids. But we worked together, and we, we, we centered around a common vision of caring for what God has given to us, and it has grown from there. 
And I don't just take safety and security seriously because it's something that has been ingrained in me and because it's something that I'm passionate about. I really believe it's a call from God. In fact, we see in Acts chapter 20, in this verse, Paul is talking to the elders at Ephesus, and this is what he says to them. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. Now in this, Paul is commissioning the elders as overseers. We can all get behind, and we're probably all very familiar with the idea of our overseers, our leaders, our pastors, as spiritual oversight, as spiritual guidance. But here, Paul takes a little turn, and he makes sure that they know that they are also in charge of the physical as well. They're overseers for threats that are coming from outside the church, the wolves, and threats inside the church, those who would twist the word of God. So here we see not just a spiritual oversight, but we see a physical oversight. And I know when we start talking about church security, it's very difficult to see security and evangelism melded together because you get this idea of this burly dude standing at the door like a bouncer trying really hard to keep people out. It's really easy to get that picture in your head and not see the true meaning of what is biblical safety and what is biblical security. And there really is plenty of scripture for biblical security. It also may seem, if you've got that vision in your head, that it can be countercultural or contrary to the mission of the church. And so I do want to talk a little bit about the mission of Luminous because I love this church and I love this church's mission. Luminous exists to help people see Jesus and make a difference on the campus, in the community, and the world. Now, at first glance, if you're thinking about the big, burly security guy, the bouncer type, it seems like this mission is absolutely contrary to that. But I'd argue that it's not. And Jesus even addressed it. And in John chapter 10, and if you've been in church very long, you're probably very familiar with this scripture. But in John chapter 10, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. So if you've been in church, you've heard these terms. You're very familiar with the idea of the thief and the robber. You're very, you're very familiar with the idea of the shepherd. But one of the things I think is really interesting is that we don't spend a lot of time talking about the gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper has a very, very important role in this passage. A gatekeeper is a term that the Israelites were very familiar with. In fact, when the tabernacle was first built, there were Levites that were commissioned to be gatekeepers. They were all around the gates to the tabernacle, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. There was somebody guarding every single gate to the tabernacle. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute and think about where God called those people from. He didn't call the warriors of Israel. He didn't call the, the guys with the swords and the spears. He called the Levites. He called the people that God set apart to be priests to man the gates 
that led to his tabernacle. Jesus understood this concept, and he understood the heart behind that. There was definitely a need in that day and age for somebody to keep those that would cause harm out. But that's not the connotation of what a gatekeeper is supposed to be. Jesus said it right here. He said, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Safety and security is not about keeping people out. It's about opening the gate for people to see Jesus, period. And I've seen in my, our own safety ministry at, at Mid-Cities how that plays out well. I have seen our safety team lead people to the Lord. I've seen them baptize people. I've seen them disciple people. I've seen them walk people through and minister to them in the hardest times of their life. I've seen them love people well and be a light to the world. I've seen them open that gate wide so that people meet Jesus. I've seen them take people that have literally been shunned and pushed out of other churches because of the way they looked, because of their history, because of their background, because it was uncomfortable, and they've taken them in with open arms, loved them into the kingdom, and discipled them to be godly men and women who produce good kingdom fruit. That's what Jesus had in mind, and that's what God had in mind when he separated the Levites out to be gatekeepers. You need to open that gate wide, and that light that shines tells the wolf that we do think what the Lord has sent us is precious, and we will protect it. But it also opens that gate to let the light shine for people to meet Jesus. Church, I love that this church wants to be a light to the campus, to the community, and to the world. And I love where this church is right now. That video of Pastor Ben, that video's been a long time coming and a lot of prayer into getting new ground and breaking ground for a permanent home for Luminous. And I'm really excited about that. And as we talk about what happens next and what the next iteration of, of Luminous Church is, we want to keep in mind that it's always about the loss, no matter what the role. It's always about opening the gate and bringing the light to the people. So I want to take a second, and I want to pray over you, and I want to bless Luminous, and then we're going to have Pastor Ben come up, and he's going to preach a little more about evangelism, but let me bless you real quick, if that's okay. Father God, I thank you so much for Luminous Church. Lord, I thank you for what you've been doing. Lord, I thank you for the light that this church has been to this community. And Father God, I know as the light it shines, as it's seen in the darkness, it attracts all those who would do good and all those who you want to call to you. But it, sometimes it attracts those that want to do harm. And so, Lord, I thank you that you've made provision for that over already. Lord, I thank you that you are protecting this church. And so, Lord, I pray your hand of blessing would be upon it in every moment of planning, every moment of growth, Father God, and that you would protect it and go before it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jody. Come on, let's give it up for Jody as he comes up, as he came up. <clears throat>
Why, why does this matter? What an what a incredible, incredible heart why it matters. So Jody and his team has assessed our church. They, we walked through safety protocols. We want to let you know that, that our children are safe, buildings are safe, places are safe. And why does this matter? This matters because now you have a home that is safe. How many of you know that it's good to have a little plan for your personal house? If there was an emergency, if there was something that were to take place, how much of you? How many of you love your children and you research your child care facilities like to the nth degree, making sure it's the safest place in the world? How much so should the house of God be safe? And so we have our whole team as assessed this place to create safety. And we just felt like this was the appropriate time to want to announce to our church and to let you know, too, that. This is a safe place for you to invite people to hear the gospel. And we want you to hear the gospel, and we want to let you know that your children are taken care of. And this will matter as we move forward with our building, in our design, in our teams, with our safety, everything that's happening. So I'm excited for that, and I hope you are as well. Evangelism matters. How many you know that's true? Evangelism matters. The way that we love people, the way that we do ministry, the way that we share the gospel. Evangelism is the whole idea of proclaiming the gospel to the lost so that they could know Jesus and know all about him. And I, if you're like me, I oftentimes want to delegate evangelism, delegate talking about the gospel to somebody else. Am I the only one who wants to do that? I want to delegate it all to somebody else. But I'm thankful that we don't have a church that delegates our safety protocols, that delegates the worship in this house, that delegates the sermon, that delegates discipleship. And we also don't have a church that delegates evangelism. Now, I will tell you, I, I partner with Will and Jaron and Austin to go on the college campus to evangelize. They're up there, up there every day during the school year to share the gospel, to bring the gospel to, to college students. And sometimes it's easier to write a check than to go myself. How I many you know that's true? I would just rather just say, hey, man, let me just pay you to do all the witnessing, to all the evangelism, to tell people about Jesus. Isn't that right, Will? Will's looking at me like, that's so true. You hide out and pretend you write sermons. But I want to, in this discipline, and why is it a discipline? Evangelism is a discipline because it's something you have to practice, it's something that you have to do and you have to put in your life. When we're talking about these practices, they're not just something that happened naturally. And we don't believe we are prioritists in nature, meaning that we prioritize the gospel for people's lives. We aren't just holist, just sitting back thinking that God's going to do all the saving, which he is, and that God's going to do all the witnessing. If God wants them saved, God will tell them. And oftentimes in the church, that's how we act is if God wants that person saved, I'll just, I'll just pray. And then, and then God will show up in a dream in the middle of the night and reveal it to them. And I want to tell you that happens. That happens in closed nations. Oftentimes we hear stories from the 1040 window about people who had dreams about Jesus, but it was always the people who had dreams. They went and tried to find the missionary for the interpretation to the dream of God, what God revealed. There's something about God that he loves to use his people. He loves to include us on his mission. He loves to include our hands, our feet, our mouth. He he loves when we come together and he loves to utilize you. He loves to make a difference through you. 
How many know that's true? That's why Jody read our, our, our mission statement that Jesus wants to make a difference through your life. He wants you to go to the ends of the earth. Matthew 28 18 through 20, our great commission, one of the great commissions in our church, I want you to go to the ends of the earth, and I want you to evangelize and share the gospel, and I want you to baptize people, and I want you to disciple them and teach them how to follow me. He wants us to go. Everybody say go. God wants us to go. He wants to utilize you. He wants to include you on his mission. And everybody say, me? Yeah, yeah, just like that. Me? Yes, you. He wants to include you. He wants you to be his mouthpiece. He wants you to do this. This is what God expects of us. He expects us to do this. And so in this 75 hard, we're going to have some practical steps this week. And you can go to our link tree to find out what that looks like. One practical step is to be the people of God in this place, to be a safe place, to be the people of God, to create and believe for amazing worship, to believe for amazing sermons, to, to be, bring your neighbor, they can hear the good news. They can hear what God is doing for them. They can hear what God wants to do through their life. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15 says this. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that the one who has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for, this, for their sake died and was raised. Evangelism comes from three different places this morning. One, it comes from gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. Gratitude. When you know how much Jesus has done for you, it makes you want to jump and tell somebody what Jesus has done for them. How many know that's true? When Jesus has saved your marriage, when he saved your life, when he saved your friendship, when he's given you hope in the middle of despair, when he's taken away anxiety and depression, when he's come and supernaturally and provided for you, when he's revealed himself to you in the middle of struggle and pain, but gave you the moments in the, and being able to hold your hand and the great comforter who comes and comforts you and the one who touches your life, when he does all these things, in your life, it makes you grateful. Everybody say grateful. See, I'm pumped up today. You know, when you're setting up church and you're amped up and, and you're going crazy, it, you get a little excited. But, but here's the thing is when you realize what God has done for you, it gives you gratitude. And evangelism always comes from a heart of gratitude, knowing that God gave his only son, Jesus, his one and only son came to live this life, and he lived it just for your salvation, for the glory of God. He lived it in order to please his father, but he saw you, the apple of his eye, and he looked at you, and he, was, he saw how amazing you are and how separate you are, and the only way that you could be known by God is if he gave his life. And so what did he do it? He gave it freely. And he died a death freely for us so that we could be made new and right with Jesus. And that changed everything. Evangelism, evangelism is out of our gratitude, but it's also because it's our stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. 
Evangelism is our stewardship in every way that when we realize what God has done for us, it makes us live in a way to steward all that he has done. Acts 5.42, and every day, everybody say every day. Come on, I love this. Let's do this all morning. <laughs> and every day in the temple and from house to house, teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus, that it's our stewardship. It's not just a stewardship for one time, or it's not a stewardship for later, but it's a daily stewardship, evangelism for the forgiveness of sins. And that covered our sins, and we found forgiveness. But on three days later, after he was buried, what did he do? Boom! He rose again. He rose again, proving that he has power over death, life over death, eternal life. The gift of God by shall live 